Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We're the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers number one. Yes, we're the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers Hello, everyone. You're listening to Battle Red Radio. I'm Matt Weston, and this evening I'm joined by Kenneth L., I guess we go by on the site, and Texans Thoughts, who we'll call Jordan throughout the show because Jordan's a lot cleaner and nicer than saying Texans Thoughts or TT because this is a, a rated G podcast. It's not quite PG. So for today's show, we're going to talk about uh, edge prospects for the Texans this draft class and also just kind of draft class in general too. And we're also going to talk about the brand cooks trade briefly because yesterday the Texans traded the 40th, the 57th overall pick in the draft for Brandon cooks and for a 2022 uh, fourth round selection. And so rather than have two second round picks in the draft for the Texans could have, you know, a variety of different options and how they wanted it to, you know, find some easy cost control capital for this team. They have to, kind of do things a little bit differently because they only have one pick now in that round after selecting uh, Brandon Cooks. So Jordan, with the Cooks trade, has this affected like who you want Houston to go after? Like, are you still all in on the past defense, but now it's changed where you want maybe instead of just an edge, you want uh, an interior defensive lineman or rather than a front seven player, you want a cornerback? Like, has your opinion at all on where they should look in the second round changed at all? So I was leaning to go defense heavy with their second rounders anyways. I wanted definitely a defensive lineman, whether that's edge or interior. And then I also wanted an outside corner to try and compete with Lonnie and Karyon Conley. So the Cooks trade, uh, getting rid of the 57th overall pick, that hasn't really changed the draft strategy too much for us. I was planning on, I wanted us to take a wide receiver in like the third or fourth round. And now I feel like that's even less of an issue. So maybe even just getting a wide, a wide receiver in the fifth to the seventh round, one of those guys who's like a big body kind of possession jump ball receiver instead to complement the speedier guys we have. I think that's the path I would go now. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Kenneth? What are what are your how are you kind of feeling how the second round or third round should go right now? You know, I was really excited the second I saw that Brandon Cooks because I was like, you know, Bill O'Brien is the only person who's really taking advantage of the coronavirus. He's just wheeling and dealing right now. Uh, but in terms of the draft, I it, it takes it puts a lot of pressure on the 40th pick for it to be the best player on the board. Um, I'd really like, uh, as Jordan said, for them to go defense. However, with how many holes that we have across the field, I think that they're going to find the best player available. Hopefully it's on defense and move on with that. Um, it definitely kind of limits our flexibility and our potential to even move up into the first round. But I mean, safe to say it's one of the most interesting off seasons I've ever seen for any team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm all in on the past defense, even before this trade, 
or they had two second round picks because Eric Murray's not going to cut it. Timmy Jernigan's not going to cut it. And their idea right now for the past defense is, well, we'll have J.J. Watt back, so Whitney Merciless should be a little bit better, and she and he should have you know, the ability to for his wide looping pass rushes to create more of an impact. But then that means Watt has to be healthy for more than eight games in a season. And I think they're expecting big progressions for from Jacob Martin and from Lonnie Johnson Jr. as well. And then also for Gary Conley to be better with the year in the system too. And it's a lot of hoping. It's a lot of projection. It's not like it's, and there's still like a legitimate talent issue on that side of the ball. So even with this trade, I'm still all in on the pass defense too. And I guess real fast on the Cooks trade, I do think this Cooks trade isn't the end of this at all. I think this Cooks trade just means they're either going to cut Kenny Still because he has, a, I think, a $7 million cap hit, or they're going to try to trade him, which I don't really see a team trading to take on uh, Stills' contract. Or they're going to trade Will Fuller. I they wouldn't release Fuller because they can get something for him because it's only a ten million dollar one year hit and you know he's still very talented even regardless of the injuries and it's more like a dynamic playmaker than uh, Stills is. So like Kenneth, do you think this is it? Like the Texans have their offense set up for the 2020 season, or are you in agreement with me that you think this Cooks trade is just another trade that they're going to? It's like the second trade and another trade they're going to make. Oh, I feel like. That would be pretty unreasonable, but I mean, we we've surpassed reason as a in this front office. I don't know what Will Fuller's draft capital would be. Like, how do you evaluate someone if you know you're only going to get like a couple games out of them, but those couple games are going to be amazing? Um, you know, he's not a wide receiver number one, so I mean, that takes him out of being like a first or second rounder, and you know, you're not going to get a full season out of him. So I find it hard to evaluate him, and then Stills. His value is determined by the Texans' past uh, trade for him and Laramie Tunsil. And so, I mean, is, is Stills basically worth like a second, third rounder? I, I doubt it. I, I don't know what Bill O'Brien would be able to find, but I think the, the wide receiver room he has right now is pretty versatile and diverse. So I would be interested if he stands pat here or not. But I'm not sure if the, he does want to make another move. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I'm not really in the in the room to think that he's going to make another move in trade still or Fuller. I think he wants to change the offense to be more dynamic and have more of these dynamic speed weapons kind of in the mold of the Kansas City Chiefs. That's what a lot of people are, are pointing to. I don't know. He, he has the weapons for it now. Now the question is if he's going to be able to utilize them correctly, which we have clearly seen he's not been able to. But I think this is the wide receiver room he wants and the one that's going to stick that he's going to stick with. So I don't think there's going to be more trades, but I do think they'll look to add like a big um, wide receiver later in the draft because the tallest wide receiver we have, I think, is Fuller at just like six foot. So I don't think they're too happy with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I just see Stills, Fuller, and Cooks just being really redundant. You know, they're all smaller, fast receivers. They aren't like consistent first down movers. Like Fuller probably is the most consistent May first down mover of the bunch just because of how his speed creates a lot of easy short little throws, but it's the ability of him to stay on the field. And I, I don't know, I just think that they're all three just really similar. I think the biggest things this offense is you know missing compared to what Kansas City has is that Kansas City has Kelsey, and Kelsey, I think, was second in the league in first down catches last year, ahead of only um DeAndre Hopkins and 
he was, or ahead of multiple players, but he was ahead of Hopkins, and he was right behind Michael Thomas last year. And so, like, without having Hopkins, that's what the one thing this offense is missing in the passing game is that, like, consistent, you know, 12-yard first-down receiver. And I really don't think they have that with these three players. And so, I mean, and also everything else they say about, like, you know, being tough and dependable and smart. And I don't think Fuller, you know, matches that, you know, that trinity they keep talking about over and over again. And so I could see, that's why I just think it's too redundant and they have so much capital, uh, you know, put in that wide receiver room that even if they, if they trade a receiver, I don't think it'd be a trade for another receiver, but see like a veteran pass rusher, maybe get their round pick and something else to, to improve the pass defense. Because, you know, again, like Eric Murray and Timmy Jernigan is going to be enough. So on, on the edge right now, the Texans have Whitney Merciless, they have Jacob Martin and they have Brent Scarlett on cheap contracts on a cheap contract. And you know, Merciless has a four-year, $54 million contract that they can get out of after two seasons. So it's pretty much a two-year, $24 million deal where once he's 30 years old, they decide to move on elsewhere. They can do that pretty easily. Um, I think even with Martin, Scarlett, and Merciless, outside linebacker is still a position of need, especially with the way kind of football works now where you have an outside linebacker that can play defensive in or on the edge or you know switch from being an edge linebacker to playing you know the the second linebacker in a nickel defense too. Um, so Jordan, do you think you agree that you know, edge is still a spot where the Texans need to improve the season or is like edge, maybe the third most important part of this defense that needs to be corrected. I think it's, it's definitely an important aspect, but I think it's second to interior defensive line only because there's more snaps that are going to be available for a defensive tackle taking away snaps from like Brandon Dunn or Timmy Jernigan, who's perpetually injured as well. Compared to taking away snaps from Merciless, Watt, Scarlett, and Martin, like you mentioned. So I think it's important to get both of them, but I think we should target interior defensive line first and then edge maybe a bit later in the draft, unless one of the top edge prospects falls to us at 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other thing about Merciless, too, it's like all of his pass rushing you know, angles, all of his sacks last year, if you watch him, except for that one against backup left tackle, um, Will Richardson in that Jackson game, which was that quick spin move that I think it forced a fumble that Watt recovered, but everything else is just wide and looping. And it was a lot of vulture sacks where he's chasing back. Like for example, chasing Jameis Winston out bounds for a one yard loss was a sack for him. <laughs> and so like, I do think the interior defensive line is more important just because that pushes the pocket, gets the quarterback moving backwards and gets him moving into the angles and merciless. Cause merciless has to be, you know, another like nine sack, 10 sacks for a player based off his contract. And also, like he doesn't create that consistent pressure that means anything unless the pockets move backwards. And Blackson doesn't do it. Jordan can you know can do it whenever he's healthy, but it's been three years since he's had a really good season. And uh, and Watt can do it, but you know again, Watt plays you know six games a year, or whatever, and then uh, yeah. hangs out until the postseason. <laughs> Ugh, yeah, this defense is is in a weird state. It's like they they were just so stacked. Out and had so much depth in the defensive line, and then player after player after player, they've just dropped another guy. And so losing DJ Reader is just the next step in that. Um, I guess for me, I I see corner as our number one issue. Even if we have Bradley Roby, um, I don't trust Lonnie Johnson. I trust him to develop, but what he will become is still up in the air. Um, this is a good wide, a good cornerback class, uh, but I do see defensive edge being a. a top issue for us um i think that the way that this defense moves and rotates that you know they, they put anyone in the interior um that i think that having another edge presence just kind of takes a lot of the pressure off 
you know, JJ and Whitney to to make the move. And you also can't forget that we do have Duke Ejiofor, who has shown some sparks in the past. Yeah, I, I like Ejiofor as far as, you know, enjoying watching him play two years ago whenever he was a fifth-round selection. And he has a good spin move and stuff, but I'm not really expecting anything out of him. But uh, Charles Amine, who's an actual, like a lot of people still call him an edge defender, but he isn't. He's a four-eye, three-technique interior pass rusher. And if he can actually you know, develop enough to play in the run game and play every down, um, that will help out a lot too because you have somebody who can actually rush the passer on first and second down whenever teams throw. Like they should throw early in the count. And every team's like Houston where you have second, long, and third down are passing situations only. So let's talk about some of these edge prospects. And I'm sure you know, we still have two more weeks until the draft so we can talk about you know, uh, cornerbacks and uh, we can let you know Jordan talk about Meek again, and you know wax publicly about him, and talk about interior defensive linemen as well too, because it seems like on the interior there's probably like four or five guys that may go in the second round also. So the first guy I want to talk about is Zach Bond, and you know we're kind of working off this hypothetical situation where um, Yatir Gross Matos and uh, Kaisen or Chasen, however you say it, have already been selected in the first round. So these are guys that could possibly fall to Houston whenever they pick at number 40. So Jordan, I know you love Zach Bond. So if you want to start, start off talking about why you love him so much, uh, here's your chance. Yeah, Bond is, he's undoubtedly my, my guy at 40. And I'm honestly probably going to go on a bit of a rant because he's the dream pick for me. Um, I like his game a lot. And he really does remind me of TJ Watt coming out of college. They're both just so versatile. They can stand up and rush the passer as like a 3-4 outside linebacker. Or they can put their hand in the dirt and rush the QB too. And they can also drop back in coverage. They'll play special teams. They really do everything you want for out of a out of an edge prospect. And a lot of people want move, want to move Bond to like an off ball linebacker, but I just feel that you get so much more value out of him as a three four outside linebacker, who he can rush most of the time, but then also drop in coverage to uh, kind of fool teams there. And I think he can take Brendan Scarlett's starting job from day one because Scarlett is, is pretty bad in my eyes at least. And my favorite thing about Bond is that he's one of the best pass rushers in the class at rushing with a plan. And that's become one of the main things I look for in a pass rusher because you can have like all the physical tools in the world. But if you just start your rush with like no idea how you plan to win, then you're likely not going to win. And so in the article that I wrote about Bond, I told I talked about how he's like really good at like telling like offensive tackles kind of like a story of how he's going to rush. Like he'll set up his rush with like an outside rush and then he'll counter inside and then he'll take that counter inside and then go back outside. And so he's really just like kind of playing mind games with offensive tackles. And I think he's one of the most developed edges in this class at doing so. And so he's really is just the dream pick at 40 for me. I think it'd be a perfect fit for the defense. Like if you had to say, you know, in three years he would have X amount of sacks. Do you think he'd be like a double digit sack guy in the NFL? Yeah, I think in his rookie year, I think he can get maybe five to seven sacks. That's probably the best you're going to get. That's pretty good for edge pr- production out of him. I think he's just really developed day one. And then as he develops more, I can even see him in a second year. As long as he's given a good chance, a good amount of snaps, a good like n- amount of like one-on-one pass rushing opportunities, he's definitely going to get to that second, that double digits pretty pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And like projection-wise, the biggest thing I see with Bond is that I, I think he's really refined. I think he's really good right now. I think he has a, a really high floor. I just don't know where the growth is going to come from him, whether it's like, I don't think he's going to get much stronger, much faster just because of how his built is. But I think he's going to be a guy who's going to you know eat up crappy offensive tackles. Like if he goes up against Cody Ford, for example, who's probably going to move to guard this year, he would have a great game against him. But I think he would struggle against, you know, a top, you know, top offensive tackles and, 
Uh, he may pick up some stuff here and there, but I see him mainly like being able to have a good sack total year to year, just because he may have you know six matchups a year against uh, lackluster offensive tackles where he can do that. Do you where do you see the projection with Bond for him? Like where do you see the growth coming from in his game? Yeah, I definitely get what you mean because Bond he's not an elite an elite athlete like the guy from LSU, Caleb on Chase on or even Chase Young. He's not nearly on their levels of athleticism. As you said, he's more polished, like kind of like a technician. So. I don't know that he'll the growth will come from athletically. He'll probably have to beat up on the tackles, like you said, that like the Cody Fords of the world, who have slower feet, who and like he won't do good against like the athletic tackles with like really long arms too. That's one thing I noticed in his college films. He kind of struggled with guys who had bigger length than him, who were able to get into his chest first. But in terms of growth, I guess just getting even more and more refined in his pass rush pass rush technique, adding more moves. And a lot of his value too, not only will come in sacks, but also his coverage. He's really good coverage linebacker in this class and that's something that we've really never had um mckinney and cunningham they're they're pretty damn awful in covering in space and i think bond would be a huge upgrade there too along with the sacks that he'll bring yeah it'd be interesting if houston was to draft him and watch him go from playing like you know a five technique and pass rushing downs to even going back and playing you know nickel or dime linebacker and helping on coverage too I think where his growth could come just be in his hand usage. Like he has great hands, but just like knowing when the tackles can make their punch and the timing of it to use it to keep their hands off of him. Because if he can consistently keep um, tackles punches off of him, that's where he can you know, develop further into being like a, a legitimate like you know, a guy who can win one versus one battles consistently in an NFL game. Uh, just because of his size, like whenever tackles gets their hands on him, it kind of ends his rush immediately. Now, Kenneth, do you do you really like Zach? How do you feel about him as a prospect? I like Zach. I love his story. You know, he when he was a junior in, in high school, I think was what I read, he only had one scholarship, and I think that was either to North or South Dakota State, South Dakota State, and he got the a, a half scholarship to Wisconsin, and then later a full, and then later the starting job, and he's just been working and working. So I really like the story. Uh, I could, I would love to see you know that story next to. J.J. Watt, I think that would be such a great uh, something into the offseason. Uh, I like his play. I am actually starting to get into the camp where he, we would move him into more of like that nickel-dime linebacker position, take him off the ball, uh, similar to what we just did with Peter Kalambayi, except keep him on the outside. Uh, so I, I've watched a good amount of his tape, and I agree with you, Jordan. When he is p- paired up against a specimen of a tackle – he just gets overwhelmed by their size or length and like their ability to kind of get not fall for some of the things that he sets them up for. So I think we, we've been watching some of the same tape and seeing the same things. Um, I mean, I love the gritty play. I love the hustle. Um, I'd be really interested to see how he develops in terms of taking on like other moves or learning how to play other positions. Uh, he was a quarterback in high school. So, you know, obviously he's smart. He knows how to play other positions, and he's a flexible athlete. But um, he's going to be one of the more interesting career story arcs to follow. Yeah, he's kind of like the Watt stepbrother, where you know maybe JJ's dad gets remarried, and now you have Zach Bond <laughs> in the household or something. Uh, <laughs> he's like the fourth brother. Yeah, something like that. They or like the you know or the brother that lives in the basement or whatever. You just barely gets a job. Um, Jordan, do you think he could fall to Houston at 40, or do you see him going in the first round? I've seen some mock drafts that have the Patriots selecting him late in the first round and other teams doing that. Do you think there's just a chance that he can fall to 40, or would Houston have to trade up, do you think, to select him? 
Yeah, I've seen a lot of mocks. He's going to teams like the Ravens, the Patriots. So it seems that I love the versatile like linebackers and edges. And I think that there's a chance that he falls because there's going to be a run on wide receivers and offensive tackles, I think, in that like around the 20s to the late 20s in the draft. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think he'll be there. He'd definitely make it out of the first round, I think, because I think so many teams are like not going to know entirely what to do with him. But I think he'll be right there at the top of the second round. And honestly, I wouldn't risk it. I would go move up for him. I would send maybe a fourth rounder to go move up to the early second round and, and take our guy right there. Because I don't want to risk it. I think there's not many other edge rushers in this class who live up to like where Bond can be and can grow into and also be ready day one. So yeah, I'd probably trade up to him. I don't think there's not a great chance he'll fall to forty. It's a bit of a bit of a dream there. Mm-hmm. So the next thing we're gonna talk about is Terrell Lewis from Alabama. This is a guy who plays you know out on the edge. A lot of times hand up, but he plays the hand down sometimes. He's kind of smaller. Um, they also like to use him in coverage and doing everything from playing man coverage to uh, chasing guys to match defenses whenever he chases crossing routes, sitting in hook zones and. I think this guy has good good instincts and that sort of thing, but I really didn't like his video that much. And I read a breakdown from Stephen Wyatt with SB Nation, and he compared him to Von Miller. I thought it was absurd, and um, I think the quarantine has gotten to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you know, Lewis. I mean, but Lewis seems like a type of guy the Texans would go after because of your know, versatility, and they can coach him up, and you know, those sorts of things where he can play outside and inside, and um, and kind of checks a lot. It just seems like a guy the Texans would like. Uh, Kenneth, do you like Lewis? Do you, and also, do you think he can grow into somebody who can win You know, a lot of one-versus-one blocks in pass-rushing situations? Uh, out of this entire group, he is the highest-risk, highest-reward guy. He is a stud of an athlete. He's got this long body that you can build off of, but his tape doesn't show too much. So he had an injury in 2017 with an arm. And then in 2018, he missed most of the season with an ACL. So we really only have one year of production. And it's also so hard to tell how good each one of these Alabama defensive linemen and linebackers are because they're surrounded by so much talent and they're playing against usually inferior opponents. And so it's it's difficult to say, okay, how would he do against, you know, getting double teamed? And from everything I saw, he is not your number one guy. He's a pure athlete with gifted length and a great frame to build on, but he's not someone who will take over an entire defense and make the, make the offense play to him. He's he's more of an asset than your your foundation. Yeah, I think he's a guy who does a lot of things, but he's not great at anything. And the only thing he has like you know really great as far as individual skills, he has a really good inside move. Uh, but he doesn't set the inside move very well. It's more like he has a good burst and good plant foot to get inside on that inside shoulder and you know, rush the quarterback. But again, like he's just kind of all over the place, and there's nothing like really that sticks out in his game. Um, so, Jordan, do you like the idea of Lewis being some sort of you know high potential, high reward player? Uh, even Alton Robinson, guys that we'll talk about later, they made those offense tackles look awful. And then you look at Terrell Lewis, who played in the game too, and he didn't do anything. He looked like just a shell of himself. Like he didn't, he couldn't like rise up to the competition. He couldn't even beat these like smaller school tackles, and it really just exposed his lack of like pass rush technique and being able to win the uh, the one on one blocks. So I'm not really a big Terrell Lewis fan at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not either, and I wouldn't want Houston to take him in the second round. But it seems like this type of player they would take in the second round. And I've seen some new reports that 
the Texans have interviewed with him and you absolutely love him, that sort of thing. And I don't know, it just I can just smell the Houston stink on on Lewis, but I hope they look at elsewhere. Um, next I have here is AJ Espinessa, who is a really tall defensive end from Iowa. Um, when I watched him, it's a lot of like he plays a lot smaller than his height is, where he you know does a lot of, a lot of ghost ripping off the edge. Everything's really ripping the outside shoulder. Doesn't really play a lot of power. The inside move is kind of occasional. Um, I know we talked about on Twitter briefly, Jordan, and you kind of liken him to you know Armstead or Buckner. And I think from I think the only comparison they really have is the height, but they don't really play all that similar. Um, I think is he's also a guy that has to get stronger to even grow into some sort of mold like Buckner, um, too. Do you think he can get stronger to play more like a player like that that he's often been compared to? Yeah, you know, when I had that first conversation with you, I had watched Epinesa a bit earlier in the year, and then I, I stopped watching his film because I figured we wouldn't have a chance at him. And then now he's starting to fall to us, so he could be an option. So I went over his film again for a second time, and I saw more of what you're saying is that he kind of plays soft. Like, as big as he is, he's like 6'5", I think 270, 275, mm-hmm. but he plays pretty soft. He doesn't have any power to his game. He has really, he plays with poor leverage. He almost tries to be too technical at times where I'd rather just see him like bull rush a guy and run straight down the middle of him. So I think if he were to play to the interior, which is what I thought he would be able to before, he would have to get stronger. And I don't know how much stronger he can get. He already looks pretty, pretty jacked. But I guess that's what NFL like strength and conditioning programs are for. And I think my main reason for him playing on the interior is the fact that he's just he's just a really bad athlete. And the the, the NFL combine kind of confirmed that where he tested really poorly. And so he doesn't have the kind of the burst and the bend off the edge to win against to win the edge against these offensive tackles. And so that's why I want to move him inside. But I don't know. I don't know if I would like him at forty. He definitely has a lot of potential. And I like his, I guess, the potential of his versatility. But he's not that refined as of now, and I don't know what his ceiling would be like. Yeah, that's that's a great point, too, because it seems like if a guy's kind of slow or whatever, you're like, well, we can move him inside. And then if a guy's weak, you're like, well, he can always get stronger. And I don't, it's weird because you, you always kind of assume when uh, somebody who's like 21 goes to the NFL that they're going to get a lot stronger, especially with just the progression of, uh, of people in general, but you never know some of these guys. Sometimes they peak when they're you're 19, and sometimes they peak when they're 24, and you really don't know, and it's not uh, the best catch-all term to say, like, he can get stronger. I know I, I say it a lot, too, whenever it comes to offensive line play. When you look at college offensive line, it's like, well, yeah, if he gets stronger, but you know, sometimes those sorts of things never happen at all. Um, what do you like? What do you think about AJ? Do you think he's would be a solid pick for Houston at forty, where he could play, you know, three four defensive end, then you know, a, a five technique on pass rushing downs? Sorry, is that from me or Kenneth? Uh, I said Kenneth. Oh, I didn't hear. Um, I actually think he fits really well in our system. Um, he, I, I'm definitely also in agreement with y'all. So he's not as smooth, but he is very functional. All of his moves have in a very small little frame that he's able to play with and i do want to just see him knock someone over that he's bigger than but i never was able to see that film um, especially against like good tackles that they have at wisconsin and you know notre dame i just wasn't able to see anything out of him um i would really enjoy having him kind of play that um angelo blackson position just at a much higher level uh, he would also be able to play next to J.J. Watt and be that that calm, consistent player 
who can allow JJ to, to freeway his way into the, the backfield. So I think that it would actually be kind of fun to see him fall to 40. Um, and especially when the these teams are in the middle of the draft and they're looking at who's going to change our franchise. He's not someone who's going to change your franchise. And that wouldn't like make someone take him in the first round. I can see him falling. I could see him going maybe uh, uh, to 38, 37, those picks right in front of us. But uh, would love to see him in a Texans uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really dig him all that much, and I think in the first round you want to get you want to get a guy who can start right away and like make an impact. I don't see that with him. And the one, the only really great game I saw of him was that game against Minnesota, where he just used that same like fake the inside move, rip wide over and over again against that left tackle Minnesota has number seventy, and every single time I, I was watched. Huge. Yeah, but like every Big Ten game I watched, whether I was watching Bond or even when I watched Marlon Davidson, they all torched that guy that same move. And like that was the only like really enormous game Espinosa had last year, and that was against you know awful left tackle who got benched multiple times last season. And like that same like you know fake the inside move, rip wide. I saw Marlon Davidson beat that left tackle that exact same move in the outback ball. And so I I didn't really aside from that game, I didn't really see him make an impact. The Iowa game was especially brutal where he just he didn't have any power at all against you know NFL caliber offensive linemen. Um I think you know, sir you know, gross matos, like that guy's more of an Eric Armstead, you know, DeFerris Buckner figure where like he's big and he's strong, and he actually makes impact plays in the run game. And you know, Espinessa doesn't really affect the run game at all either. And so like, even if he fails the second round, I wouldn't really want Houston pursue him either just because I think he's going to have a, a lot of trouble against professional offensive linemen. And I think a lot of his production in college was kind of, you know, stinky and it was mainly going against, you know, bad offensive tackles like the guy from Minnesota. Interesting. Yeah, I, I enjoy his film. I think, I I mean, I didn't think he'd be in the second round. So I, I'm interested to see if he falls. There's a lot of teams in front of us, like uh, Carolina, that I can see taking him. I mean, they, they have definite defensive line needs. Uh, but would be interesting to see how uh, his stock is on draft day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw a mock where Jacksonville would take him their second first round pick, but I don't really even see that all either. I think he'll get. I think he'll probably get picked in the first round just because he's big and he had sack production. But I just don't. I see a lot of it kind of empty, and he has to you know improve a lot in his body um, at the next level. Like he's a guy who ran a forty yard dash that was plus five seconds and. You never see that for any you know, first-round uh, defensive line prospects. So the next guy is Marlon Davidson from Auburn. And you know I'm biased because I love him just because I love watching him play. I've never seen anybody like him at all before. The only guy I've ever seen like go from a three technique to bouncing out wide as a stand-up edge rusher is Akeem Hicks. He did that a few times in 2018. The Bears had an all-time great defense. But nobody really does that on the professional level. And, uh, and I just have never seen anybody like him at all before where he can play, you know, defensive end in a 3-4 on first and second down and then stand up and you know, do everything from defend the run to leap over cut blocks and grab Joe Burrow to, you know, ripping on the outside to uh, long arming to an inside rush as a stand-up edge rusher. And he's kind of, he's a remarkable player. I haven't seen anybody like him. I don't know if he's going to be able to do this at the next level, if he's just going to be, you know, a three technique or, you know, four eye and a three, four, or if he can actually play like stand up outside linebacker and three, four defense. I have no idea, but I do love watching him play. And he's, uh, he's really kind of pretty spectacular. Uh, Jordan, do you like, you know, Davidson as much as maybe you like Espinessa or Lewis in that kind of like second round edge, edge defender territory? 
Yeah, I think that's where he's going to get drafted. If I had to rank them based on who I would want, I'd probably go Epinesa, Marlon Davidson, and then Terrell Lewis last. The thing with Marlon is that he's definitely a tweener, but I don't know that he's good at anything that he really does. He's like he's not quick enough and strong enough, or sorry, not quick enough on the edge, like bend around the edge or burst off like the line of scrimmage. And he's not powerful. He's he's kind of powerful, but I wouldn't say he's strong enough to to really deal with those big body like guards on the interior. So I don't know how much like bouncing around he's gonna do in the NFL. I think he needs to kind of pick a position and kind of alter his body to that because he is in that tweener position right now. He's like he's six three. I have it here. His weight is three oh three. And so I don't know. I think he's I think he'd be best used as a three tech or a four I at the next system at the next level where he can use like his pretty long arms, his natural leverage. And it's pretty like violent hands on the interior to kind of slip by blocks. I saw him do that a lot more in in college. He looked he looked pretty decent in college and at Auburn um, when he was on the interior. I don't really like his reps on the outside though. So I don't know. He would be a guy that I would be okay with. I get the upside in him. I get some of the supposed versatility, and I would be okay with him at forty. Yeah, I uh, I I think for him, he probably best like you know down one, down two as a you know defensive tackle or inside defensive end or you know three four defensive end, and then on third down he could play you know, stand up uh, five edge, and you know he's weird because he's like he doesn't really disrupt a lot of plays in the run game, but he's good at standing up blocks and keeping his gap and sitting there and making mm-hmm. run stops, um, and then. <coughs> Like he kind of reminds, he's, and like his problem is a pass rusher on the interior. Like I think he's the guy who plays on the interior on rundowns and then bounces out wide on pass downs. Just because as an interior rusher, he's not very good without space. Like he's not very good. He's like directly on somebody's outside shoulder. He's not very good at like making a move immediately. And like you mentioned, he's strong, but he's not really powerful. And so a lot of his, like he doesn't have a bull rush, for example, which doesn't make any sense for somebody with his like size and strength and, uh, and kind of like the power that he plays with. But he's not like really explosive. And so you have to have that explosion to be a good interior rusher. Um, he is he is bizarre though. So Kenneth, I know you mentioned that he he's your dream. Like why why is he your dream for this uh, pick number forty for Houston? So if if I'm gonna rank the three, I have Marlon Davidson one, AJ Epinesa two, and Terrell Lewis three. I think this guy's an absolute monster. Um, great film against Alabama against LSU. Uh, he's played top tier teams. Um, and so the way that I see him working, if he was all Texan is he would be Christian Covington on steroids. So he'd be able to, to pop in and out kind of playing that three, eye, be able to play a three eye if necessary, but can also pop out and play on the five and play like stand up. If it's also um, pertinent to what the defense is looking like, um, I can envision him playing inside next to Whitney merciless. Um, he dominated, dominated the senior bowl. Um, I think he would be a day one starter for the Texans positionally, but also I think that he isn't – it's not that he's not explosive. It's that he is able to kind of like maneuver his way around the defensive player. Uh, it, it's, it doesn't look very pretty, but he always gets the job done. Um, I enjoyed his, his, run, uh, his run stuffing. Um, it also helps when you know, you're next to Derek Brown, who's going to be the uh, probably like the seventh pick in the entire draft. So that really does make it does take a little of the pressure off of him because he's not going to get all the the attention. And I think Auburn's going to have like six, seven guys drafted from this defense this year. So uh, I really enjoy watching him play. I think he's got a future somewhere. Uh, and with a defense like the Texans have where you can kind of play everywhere, um, I think that fits his mold. 
Yeah, it's it it is he is really interesting. If I had to rank him, I would go um Davidson and then I guess Ep- I guess Lewis and then Epineza. And I would say that for Houston, like I would take Bond over Davidson, but if I had two second round picks, I would take Davidson over Bond. I just think there's more potential here and kind of the ability to be, you know, like very unique and unlike anybody else really out there. I think it'd be great for like uh, a pure three four defense, and he he kind of reminds me of Jarrell Casey, but he just doesn't have the bull rush and the interior pass rushing ability. But I do think it's there on the table for him. Um, Jordan, do you have concerns with him at his like kind of performance at Auburn, just because of how stacked that defense was and the players he had around him? Yeah, that defense was one of the best in the country. And whenever I watch his college film, he. He really didn't stick out. You'd see other guys like you'd see Derek Brown, you'd see their corner, um, Noah, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he wouldn't really be one of the guys who like shoots off the screen for you. And he didn't look like he was a very good athlete compared to the offensive lineman that he was going up against. He always looked kind of a step behind and like whenever he got blocked, he would never be able to get off blocks. It was kind of like a guy who he'd either beat you right off the snap or not at all. And the thing that's giving me the most promise about him is that his senior bowl tape was really good. He only practiced in it, and then he got injured, so we didn't get to see him in the actual game. But the one-on-one pass, pass rush drills that he did, he like dominated, like Kenneth said. He completely dominated. He looked like the best defensive lineman there. People were comparing him to like Aaron Donald and stuff like that, which I think is crazy. But <laughs> that he looked a lot. He looked slimmer. He looked more explosive. And he looked like he was using his hands a lot better and was a lot more violent with it. He still wasn't showing off a bull rush like we all want to see, but he was pretty. He was a lot more agile, and so I like that that film from him. That's what gave me the most promise, other than his college film, which I really didn't like. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to your point too about being a tweener. Like he needs to find a role because, I mean, very like your the way your the way you build your body in the off season affects how you play that season, what role that you're gonna you know be in in that. So like, yeah, the idea of being like a three hundred pound edge rusher is spectacular. But it probably isn't feasible at the NFL level because of you know, the time, whether you need to slim down to be quicker on the interior around blocks or um, how does you need to build your body for the season. I, it's like I don't, I can't see it happening where he can do what he did in Auburn. Um, and I think that's interesting about him being more agile in the Senior Bowl too, because he did play a lot three four. Uh, like they they played a lot of like three three five in Auburn, and so maybe they had him play heavier than he probably will play at the next level. Uh, just because of how much he had to, you know, take on two offensive linemen at the same time and play against double teams and things too. And, you know, the SEC is kind of bizarre as well. But I think he's a blast. I don't know, like, how great. He's he's very just bizarre to me. I've never seen him, I think, I've never seen anybody play like him before. But I hope, like, he can do exactly what he did at Auburn in the NFL just because there isn't a lot of guys like him. Uh, the other guy who I've seen a lot in the top 100 picks is Jabari Zuniga from the University of Florida. You know, if you look at like top 100 draft boards at the edge position, everybody else is kind of really outside of there. But uh, Zuniga is usually around like inside the interior 50. But he's a guy who's been injured before, who didn't play a lot last year because he had a high ankle sprain. But whenever he plays on the field, though, like he's he's really good. Uh, Kenneth, what do you like about him? Do, do you like Zuniga or would you want to stay away from him because of his injury history? I haven't found any film. So he. He's been injured a lot, and that's kind of like his mo right now. Is uh, he's uh, with like Terrell um, Lewis? He's he's in this high risk, high reward. Uh, he's a developing pass rusher. He's still learning the position, uh, and he is kind of built very well for the the role he's going to play in the NFL. I, I I it's too much for me right now to spend even like our third round pick on him. 
Uh, if he's there in the fourth, I would be loving it. But, you know, that's outside of where he's projected. Um, I, I, he has really good hands. He has good hand placement. Um, but, you know, I would have loved to see him develop throughout his senior year and get better because he started so hot. And then, you know, he goes out with that injury. And then Jonathan Grenard kind of takes over the spotlight for the rest of the season. So he is probably my toughest analysis of this entire group so far, just because I, I don't know what he is as of now in terms of like his ability to play. Were you, were you able to watch some more video of him, Jordan? Yeah, I've seen a good amount of Zuniga from what I could find. And I honestly think he's what people want Marlon Davidson to be. I think he's more of that tweener where he can play a 3-4 outside linebacker or he can kick into a like a 4-I or a 5-tech because he's built he's built for that, like Ken said. He's 6'3", 264 though. So he's a bit stronger and he plays with really good leverage. He always gets pretty low with good like knee bend. So he'll get underneath those offensive tackles. And I like what I've seen from him on the edge. He has good burst. He's shown some nice inside moves. And he's been really stout in the run game, both on the inside and on the edge. So that's a big part of him that I like. He's really good at stacking blocks and shedding and kind of two-yapping even from the interior. So I would love Zuniga with a fourth round, like Ken said. I think he'll be there, honestly, because of the injury concerns. And he didn't have the greatest production. So I think that'll scare teams off. So yeah, I would really love Zuniga in the fourth round. Yeah, I would like to move inside. Would I kick him inside? Yeah. yeah. Really? I think I think he can do it part time. I wouldn't make him a full time like three tech or anything, but I think he could do it definitely in pass rushing situations and on some um, rundowns. I think he can do it. He's a bit smaller, but I think he can do like five tech stuff because he's quick, but he's also really stout and he's really good at like stacking and two gapping, like I mentioned before. Yeah, what I like about him is. Like I have a lot of these guys that we've watched, you know, on the edge, they're all guys who kind of win mainly outside shoulder and win in space. But out of all of them, Zuniga has been the best guy I've seen as far as like winning once you make contact in a block. So like whenever he's locked up with the guard, he does a really good job of using his strength to like you move him inside and create space and then rip out in the underneath of them. Because a lot of these guys, like once you know the offensive lineman gets their hands on him, like that's kind of the end of the play. But Zuniga is the exact opposite where even whenever he's locked up and he's already made contact, he's able to create more of a rush after there. Um, also, like his combine, he ran four six four. He's six three two sixty four. He had twenty nine bench press reps. Uh, he jumped pretty good, especially in the broad jump. And he doesn't really have any comps except for uh, you know Fetty. But like he's just kind of he's kind of weird because he's only six three two sixty four. And uh, I think. What you mentioned about Davidson, Jordan's a pretty good example too, but I would love him in the third round. Him, the biggest concern is just the injury stuff. But as far as like having a plan after contact, he's the best guy that I've watched out of you know everybody in this kind of second round spot. So the at, at the edge position, those are kind of like the top like five or six guys, excluding uh, Chase on and uh, Yatir Gross. Mato, both those guys will probably be picked in the first round for sure. But some of these other guys can kind of slide after that. The other edge players that you kind of tend to see here are uh, Josh uh, Uechi, Julian Okora, Curtis Weaver, Alton Robinson, and Jonathan Grenard too. So of these kind of like you know later like kind of sleeper picks, Kenneth, which one of these guys is your personal favorite? I enjoy Alton Robinson. I mean, yeah, Alton Robinson's film from Syracuse. Um, he's I, I really hope he's around there for like the third, fourth round. Um, I wouldn't even mind him if we take in a guy like Terrell Lewis or Marlon Davidson. 
you know, go two defensive linemen. Uh, he's from Converse, Texas, so it's nice to get another Texas guy. Uh, he is a little short, but he is so built. Um, I loved his – he had a really good t- uh, Clemson tape. He didn't disrupt the, the plays very much, but Clemson could not move him off the line of scrimmage. Um, if he's there at 90, that would be a really good ideal. Um, he didn't run too, too fast of a 40, but um, you know, he is very much built for the NFL, and he would be a player that I think could slide into almost any uh, franchise right now. Um, and just kind of be a really good lockdown and help with the pass rush, help with the uh, run defense. And I think he's really good uh, bend and speed around the edge. Uh, so I think he's kind of got the most well-rounded, but he's not as – his strengths aren't as big as some of the other guys. What about you, Jordan? Who's your kind of sleeper guy? Um. Out of the guys you named, I like Grenard the most as kind of the safest guy. I think he's being mocked around the third or fourth round, and he's kind of my guy who I take who has kind of a high floor and a decently high ceiling because he's a really good athlete. He shows really good bursts off the edge. He's decent bend, and he's pretty good at rushing with a plan where he has like the moves that he knows he wants to use. I've seen some good inside counter moves, some good spin moves out of him, and he's also a good strong run defender. And so I like him a lot in the third round. And also you mentioned Josh Uche. He's one of my favorite players in this draft. And I guess he's a bit of a controversial player. But I would honestly love him. If we still had 57, I would have loved him there even that high. But honestly, I would like to trade down from 40 and take him possibly. But he's one of my favorite players. I really love him because he's like a freak athlete. He's crazy. His burst off the edge is ridiculous. You've seen it in the senior bowl. Like He was just terrorizing offensive tackles. I like how long he's his a ridiculous arms are. speed rush. Yeah, he's actually I have it here. He is 33 inch arms, which show up really well on tape for him, and it actually helps him with his power too because he's a smaller guy. He's just six one, two forty five, so he's definitely more of that like three four outside linebacker. But on tape, is like he's actually strong. He plays stronger than his size. He gets good leverage. He gets his hands inside of the offensive tackle's chest, and he's decent in the run game. He's not like that much of a liability as his reputation is. So I'd really like him. He also brings great versatility in his coverage. Like I've seen them line him up in the like B gap, and he'll run all the way back and protect the seams and defend a, a tight end running down the seam. So I really like him a lot. Does he remind you of Jacob Martin at all? <laughs> um, a little bit, I guess, in his speed rush. And they're both a bit like undersized, smaller guys. But I think Martin. Yeah, I guess Martin, he's kind of like a one-trick pony at this at this point. He's just a speed rush guy. But Uche is a little bit better in his versatility. I think he actually has, can cover. He has pretty like fluid hips that he can run with tight ends. And he's really fast, so I, I like Uche a lot. Yeah, I, li- I would like him a lot for like a 4-3, you know, like Will outside linebacker spot. And then you can have him play in the nickel, or you can have him you know come off the edge as well too. And it is kind of weird watching college football where you have so many smaller edge defenders now who just kind of like are there to run past these you know, big slow offensive tackles who have no hands or feet and uh, are kind of ancient now. It kind of feels like whenever you watch the college game. But I like Uchi. My, my favorite guy of this group, though, is Grenard, too. I love, like, a lot of these guys like Okora and uh, like Anai and uh, Weaver and like even Robinson, they just don't do much for me. Like I watch them, I sit there and wait for them to make a play, and they just they just don't do a whole lot at all. But I really like Renard, and the main reason why I like him 
is that he really understands how to time a tackle's punch or offensive guard's punch, where he he really knows how to use his hands at the exact moment. You see a lot of defensive linemen who you know, create contact too early and they're not patient at all. And then by doing so, it, gives, it opens up their chest so they have a good strike point for the offensive tackle. And Grenard's really great at like making contact at the exact time. Like you mentioned, he's he's good in the run game, but he's good at like using inside moves to play the ball, and he's good at finding the ball in the backfield. He doesn't have a lot of power, though, so like he's never going to be a real power rusher, I don't think. Um, whenever he comes into an offensive lineman like head-on, like that's kind of it. But uh, as far as like finding angles and finding spots and knowing when to make contact, he's awesome at that. And it's kind of like he's good at it. Uh, you don't see like NFL defensive linemen as good as doing that as he is. Um, and like a really good example of the importance of punch timing was whenever uh, Watt went up against New Orleans last year. And I'm blanking on their right tackle's name. Um, Ramcheck. They were against Ramcheck, and Ramcheck just timed his punch perfectly against Watt that entire game and really held him down. And like Grenard's kind of like the opposite of that from the defensive line perspective. Obviously, it's a hyperbole. He's not like that sort of player, but uh, he's just really good at knowing when to make contact on a lot of his plays. And so he's my favorite guy. This kind of like you know mid round uh, sort of spot. Uh, Kenneth, are there anybody? Are there any players off this list that you like in this draft class? Kind of uh, from an edge perspective that we haven't talked about. Um, I'm also in the, the Grenard camp. He had a great combine, uh, his senior year. So he moved from Louisville, uh, junior year. And then he was a, a redshirt. I think he was redshirt junior. So he's had one more year on him. Uh, and he had 10 sacks this past year at Florida. I mean, he played so well. Uh, I really like him against the run too. I thought he uh, had really good film from what I've seen. Um, especially playing in, you know, playing SEC ball. He, he really was able to hold his own against some really good, uh, offensive tackles. Um, I also really like Julian Aguara, a huge frame from Notre Dame, uh, six foot four, 250 pounds, really long arms. Um, and I, I think he's been graded pretty low as like some of the other guys. I think, um, but I, he would be a really good fit. Uh, I would have loved him at 57. Uh, he can drop into like a three, four coverage. Uh, I think he's really versatile. I would I would be interested to see how well he can develop his pass rush moves. He really is kind of like I actually think he's more like Jacob Martin with the one trick pony, except a little bit well more well built. Because uh, he only I think had like a couple sacks this past season, and they all came in like one or two games. Um, and then he also had an injury to end his season. I mean, he broke his fibula. Uh, that, that's kind of one guy I really like. Uh, I'm not too high on Curtis Weaver. Some team will draft him and he'll play for them for like eight years. And, you know, people have his jersey, but I don't think he's going to shock the NFL anytime soon. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm really not a Julian Aquara fan whatsoever. He was actually my lowest rated edge defender that I've graded this year. And I'm just looking at my notes here and I said that he's like Vic Beasley, but not in the good way. <laughs> Where he's really just a speed rusher. He has, he has good bursts. He's a good athlete. I'll give you that. Um, but he just had no pass rush moves whatsoever from what I saw. He's just a highly inconsistent player with his motor, with his effort. I just, I did not like him at all. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't like, I, I didn't dig him very much either. And I don't think you can beat Vic Beasley even in a good way, you know? Um, he's had, he's had such kind of a bizarre career too. Um, so I guess personally, the way I kind of feel about this class is that I would like Bond at 40. Uh, I like Davidson at 40 as well too. And then if it if it came down to like I'd be fine with Houston moving out of the second round. If they had, you know, pick 
40 and 57. I'd rather have Davidson than Bond just because of you know potential person uh, potential reasons and how much I enjoy him. And then Grenard's the only guy I would take in the third round. And everybody else here to me, like Yuchi, if it was a different team where they played a 4-3, I think he'd be a good third round pick. But everybody else here just seems like kind of like fourth round, fifth round guys who are kind of afterthoughts to me. I don't really see them make like a lot of really impact plays. Um, they don't do really things that I, I think really matter at all in the field. And I think it's going to get even you know, more difficult for them whenever they play against you know, actual offensive linemen who know how to play football. Um, so Jordan, where would you, what's kind of like your feeling on this draft, like overall, as far as the edge perspective uh, goes? Yeah, I definitely have to, have to agree with you. I think at 40, for me, it's, it's literally just Zach Bond for me. I'm, I'm in the big favor of trading down from 40, hopefully picking up another pick because we have a huge gap between 40 and 90. That's 50 picks. That's like basically every team in the league, basically picking twice before we get to pick again. And so I'd be in a big, um, in favor of Trading down 10, 15 picks, picking up a, a late third rounder and getting another pick in that because there's if and I'd do that if like Bond isn't there at 40. So I do that, maybe pick up like an interior defensive lineman or a cornerback who I like a lot more in that second round. I think there's a lot more of those better players. And then we can take like a high developmental, high potential developmental edge later in the third or fourth round. I think that's where I would go with this draft. What about you, Kenneth? That's yeah. Um, uh, so last point is I actually so we I guess we're flipped. I I'm not a big fan of Uchi uh, Uche, and y'all are big fan of Aquara. Um, NFL.com has the exact same grade on them. So that that should be something that we keep in mind to see who who gets drafted. Um, in terms of the 40 pick, I actually hadn't even thought of them doing another trade. I think the word trade is a trigger word for me right now. Um, <laughs> I would be. I mean, if Zach Bond's available, he would be great. Um, Terrell Lewis, I, I, I would just rather someone else take him than he be our problem. Um, and then AJ Epinesa would be interesting to see on this team. Uh, Marlon Davidson is my number one guy right now uh, for this team. I would love to see him paired with JJ Watt and paired with Whitney. Oh, I pair him with Whitney Merciless as a good one-two combo. Um, would like to see. I think I'm pretty high on Alton Robinson, and then Jonathan Grenard's like the number three. Uh, everyone else out, outside of that is, I, I would rather someone else take the risk. Um, there's just no depth here. Um, I think last year was such was much better of a defensive line. Yeah, I, mean, I think there was like eight or nine uh, first round defensive linemen selected last year, and this year I think it's gonna be the same thing, but just from the wide receiver position. Uh, yeah, and like this is kind of I feel. I guess this is all about edge. Uh, next week, I would like to talk about interior defensive linemen because I think interior defensive linemen, the only top first-round picks you're probably going to see, based on what I've read, is Derek Brown and, um, and the guy from South Carolina. And then you may have four or five defensive tackles who can all rush the passer, get selected in the second round. And I right now, like I feel, I haven't watched those guys yet, but I feel like once I start watching them, I'd be more excited for an interior defensive lineman who can actually create interior pressure and move the pocket at 40 than I would be for an edge player too. But I would, I, again, I'd be fine with Ball and I'd be fine with Davidson. Everybody else in the second round, I'm not really much for. And then uh, Grenard in the third would be good too. But it sounds like we have some differences of opinions here and some things. I wish uh, there was a way we could could gamble on Davidson versus Bond, even though I think Bond may end up having more sacks overall just because he's safer. But uh, I really like Davidson. So I don't know if there's... I would like to do a show next week on interior defense alignment. 
I don't know if you have any last thoughts on Jordan or anything else you want to bring up before we end the show tonight. Um, no, I guess I'm just looking forward to the interior defensive lineman class talking about them. There's a lot of guys that I think can step in, start day one, take over either Brandon Dunn's role or the other, the defensive end opposite from JJ Watt in our like three, four kind of taking snaps away from Timmy Jernigan. I think there's a lot of guys that can stuff the run really well and then also get to the quarterback pretty well. So I think in that second round and even the third round, that's like the perfect sweet spot for them. So I'm looking forward to that. Cool. I'll have to, we'll have to send an email out and get a list of guys to watch because I just know about Blaylock and the guy from A&M. And, uh, and that's pretty much it. Those are like the two. And then also the guy from Canada as well too. Or from Oklahoma who's from Canada, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, Neville Gallimore. I've, yeah. I've, watched, I've watched a little bit of him. He's a beast. Um, right now, my, I love Jordan Elliott. His tape has been fun to watch. Yeah, Elliott's one of my favorite guys too. Gallimore... He's who I want at 40. It's been between him and Vaughn. I'm, I'm hoping one of them falls. They would be the dream. Gallimore's my favorite guy. Yeah, like you said, Jordan Elliott from Missouri. I like Davon Hamilton from Ohio State. Raekwon Davis from Alabama. He's a really interesting guy. We'll talk about him more, I hope. But yeah, the interior defensive line class looks pretty good. A lot stronger in the second round for, for them than the edges, for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And whenever I watched Lewis too, that was kind of the biggest thing I came away with was like, he has an inside move and I, I really like Raekwon Davis and I wanted to make sure to go back and watch him uh, specifically too. Well, if y'all have anything else at all, I don't either, but for sure we'll have to do this next week and talk about interior defensive linemen. And as far as the show goes in general, we'll probably do a Brandon Cooks only podcast maybe for a Monday night to dig a little bit deeper than that. I have some Cooks video that I like to watch this weekend and, um, and kind of see you know, how much of the way I feel is kind of mine because, you know, he didn't do anything at all last year. He was just pretty much just appear from Los Angeles. And um, it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, the Texans can, we can disagree on them being dumb or smart or having a plan or not. But the one thing you can't disagree with is that they're at least interesting. And, you know, professional football, so many teams are kind of boring doing the same thing. And um, even if it's, it's ridiculous, uh, at least it's interesting is a nice thing you can say. But until next time, I'm Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to Bell Radio. And thank you for being on site, Jordan. And thank you for being on site, Kenneth. Welcome horns. Thank you.